Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are talking about spiritual warfare, being more than conquerors. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes on to say in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now following this, he talks about the armor, and we're not ready to get into the armor yet, because we need to understand the fight that we're in before we can use the armor that we're given. Do you understand? And one of the things that I, as I was looking at this, I began to understand more and more that especially verse 12 brings this fact out. It starts in verse 11, but then it is amplified in verse 12. In verse 11 he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is not a natural adversary, he's a spiritual adversary. Amen? And then he goes on to say in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He is trying to now make us understand that because he's mentioned the devil now, we need to take our eyes off the people he uses. Amen? And focus our attention on the devil and all of those principalities and powers. All his subordinates. Are you all here? Okay, and that's why he says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And he starts to name these. Against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, before we look at all of that, I want to go back a little bit. Now that we understand that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare, I need you to understand that the attacks that the enemy brings against us, because they're not physical... It's not something that, you know, we can, in a physical sense, take a sword out, fight, stab him, and he's gone. Okay? His method of operation is subtlety and deception. Remember I told you this before. Alright? And that's the reason why, you know, if we look back at Ephesians chapter 4, for example, we'd begin to understand what some of those things were. I'm going to read some of those things out to you, and if you'd like to turn, you, you, you're most welcome to turn. But some of those things include, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, lying. The Apostle Paul says, therefore putting away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. See, we don't think about that as an attack. What causes you to lie? Well, you're worried that if you tell the truth, you're going to get in trouble. It's fear. Who is the author of fear? Satan, are you getting this now? Okay, so that's one thing. And that's the reason why he says you let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So that is a part of your spiritual warfare. That's part of the wiles of the devil. That's a part of his method of operation. Whenever you are doing something and you feel like you really want to lie about something, and I mean to protect your skin... Now, you know, if you're lying to make somebody else feel good, that's different. And I don't want to go into all of that. Not all lying is bad. Can I say that? Have I upset somebody's religious heart? (laughs) Let me give you an example. You know, I wasn't going to talk about this, but obviously maybe I need to. Remember when um, Moses was born? The Egyptians, the, the king said, Pharaoh said, kill all the babies. 
And so what happens? The midwives decide not to. That's the reason Moses lived. They lied. They said, those, you know, Israelite women, they have babies before you can get there, you know. One's having one over here, and, and before you can catch this one, another one pops another one over there, and we can't hardly get to them. As if that's how babies come. Any mother will say, I took 40 hours to push you out. Now look at you. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, man, they don't come out that quick. But they lie through their teeth, and God bless them. Read the account. Are you all with me? Okay, so we're not talking about that kind of line. A lot of the, you know, the Jews in, in, in World War II, people lied through their teeth to hide them and protect them. Don't tell me that was wrong. Amen. You know, some people just come up and they just blanket everything and say, well, lying is all wrong and I don't care what you say about it. It's right. Go stick your head back in the sand. You don't have time for stupidity like that. All right, getting back to this. Now don't, you go all get noble on yourself when you're trying to save your own skin. <laughs> okay. Alright. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. And other things as well. You know, sometimes people lie to, to get places and just to make other people look bad and everything else. All of that is a part of the schemes that Satan uses. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we need to be careful what we're thinking about when we are deciding that we are not going to tell the truth. Where is that coming from? If it is the enemy, that is a part of your fight. In all things to be spirit-led. Can I just say that? Not the wrong spirit. Okay, the right one. Alright. Let's see something else. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. The Apostle Paul now says, Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It is all part of the same sentence. So, just as much as we can lie, we can also get angry. Okay? Uncontrollable anger is not a godly thing. Alright? See, notice it says, be angry and do not sin, or sin not. Okay? Which means there is an anger that is not a sin toward God. Notice also it goes and say, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Which means, don't be angry all the time. You know, some people just kind of, <laughs> you know, they just like to keep a grudge and they would want to show how strong will they are and they keep a grudge for 20 years and, you know, hello. I tried to do that. I just, I just didn't have the wherewithal to do it. It's exhausting keeping a grudge. Amen. It's true. Because you know what? You weren't designed to do that. Your whole circuitry is designed to love and forgive. So when you hold grudges, you are really going against everything that was put in you. Your whole design starts to just go kind of wonky and it's hanging sideways. Now it's going, just let go, let it go. We're going to die here otherwise. And it ends up with, you know, I, I don't know whether this is still a, sort of a known fact, but there was a time when they realized that a lot of people that are in hospital are there because of anger and unforgiveness and strife and all the things the Bible says don't do. Not everybody. Do you understand? But a lot of people are there because of anxiety and anger and everything else. It's just, it wrecks you. Now, I'm saying all of that to let you know, these are the wiles of the devil. Are you beginning to understand now the kind of opposition that is coming against you, and how it is disguising itself, and how you don't see that? You see the person that's doing it to you. Are you all here? 
And you see the situation that you're in. And everybody says, now let's be real about this. Yeah, the problem is, what we're seeing isn't where it's really coming from. You want to be real? You need to see who's pulling the strings. And if you can go and stop that, then everything underneath it will start to settle. may take a little while. Remember the fig tree incident? Jesus cursed it, started dying at the roots. That's the way God takes care of things. He doesn't knock off the the leaves and the branches because they'll grow again. He'll go to the root of the problem and He'll take care of it. And then it's just a matter of time before the thing falls over and dies. Amen. You following? Okay. There is one more thing that I thought was worth mentioning. Now we could keep going, because chapter 4 has a lot of different things in there. But this I thought was important. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And he explains in verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, or rage, anger, clamor, which is harsh words, and evil speaking or slander be put away from you with all malice, or literally as well as all types of malicious behavior. That stuff grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? Because He's in you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost and behaving like the devil. (laughs) Okay? That doesn't work really well. It grieves the Holy Spirit when you behave that way. And when other Christians behave that way toward you. Can I just say this? You know, a lot of times if a Christian does you wrong, it kind of hurts a little bit more. Because you kind of expect more from them. And a lot of times our concern is how we got hurt. We've never really thought how God has just got hurt. We've never really understood that the Holy Spirit has just been grieved. In that person attacking you, that person has grieved the Holy Spirit. So you're not the only casualty here. There is God as well. That's the reason why we are to pray for one another. Amen? That we stop that sort of garbage. And we need to stop people getting caught up in that, you know, in the enemy's trap. And that's the reason why I said to you before, whoever is governing your life, whoever is ruling over you, that's who you become a slave to. Can I get an amen on that? You really need to understand. You know, people say, oh, no, 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 you know, I've got this under control. You know, <laughs> as soon as they say that, they have just told you they don't. If you had it under control, you wouldn't do it again and you wouldn't have to say it. Why do you have to have it under control? Don't even have it to begin with. (laughs) Amen? Again, the wiles of the devil. See, that's how the devil just says, Oh no, you can keep that. Just keep it under control. That's a while. Okay? Alright. I just want to give you this wisdom. So that you are not unwise when it comes knocking at your door. Please don't sign for it. Amen? Just reject it. Rebuke it. Get it out. Because it is not worth your blessings. Can I get an amen on that? So much of the time, you know, the Bible talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things in your life that wreck everything big. And so much of the time, you know, we're believing for something big and we're looking for the big mistake. And what we miss are all the little things That is pulling it down. Do you understand what that little fox is that spoiled the vine? Do you understand where that comes from? Oh, somebody doesn't. All right, let me just quickly explain. In in, um, ancient times, what used to happen is they used to grow grapevines. Okay? And the big foxes would come along. And they would, what they would do is they would chew the fruit off the vine. Because they're big enough. The little foxes can't quite grab it. 
So what they do is they start digging and they cause the whole vine to fall over and then they go eat. So <laughs> if a big fox came, all, you, all you're missing is a couple of grapes. If a little fox came, your whole vine is all over the place. Are you all with me? And this is what we don't realize. It's those little things that just claw away and dig away and dig away at our foundations and cause everything that we've been building to fall. Amen? And we don't even realize it. The wiles of the devil. These are the things that we are fighting against. This is what he brings. And this is where, sadly, a lot of Christians fail. Do you know why? Because they're looking for a physical fight. Isn't it funny how people are just so physically orientated so much of the time, you know? And, and you can see that happening, especially when sort of outward things go wrong. They just get so affected by it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, but be careful how affected you get. Because it's telling me now that you've got your eyes more on this, on the physical realm, not on the spiritual realm. Remember the spiritual realm can change the physical things. But if your eyes are on this realm, then they're going to stay that way. But if we choose not to look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 Okay? Then we'll change the things that are seen. But the point I'm trying to make here is, the people that have their eyes so much on the natural realm, I look at that and I realize that there is almost no way that they're going to engage in battle in the spirit realm and get anywhere. Because they are so focused on this realm. Do you understand? Okay, their eyes are here. They just can't see beyond here. And that's the reason why they're listening to everything that the natural realm is saying and taking it to heart. And believing that that's the way it's going to be. But isn't it interesting, even in the natural realm, things are constantly changing. What's true today may not be true tomorrow. An incurable disease today may be curable tomorrow. But in God, you're healed. It's curable today. Amen? The impossible can happen today. Alright. And that is another fight that you are in, by the way. Okay. One quote as we move on to verse 12. Peter T. O'Brien writes this paragraph, talking about Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18 to 20, around there, does not foster an attitude of fear. And so the reader is left not with a feeling of despair, but with a sense that Satan can be defeated. Can I get an amen on that? All right. It is because of God's victory in His Son that believers are in the battle at all. We are to withstand the devil's insidious wiles and to stand firm. A posture that will involve both defensive and offensive positions. Now let me stop there for a minute. I haven't finished the quote yet, but let me stop there. We are not just to go on the defensive. Well, brother, you told me not to slug the guy next to me. <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of offensive. Okay? The offensive that we go on is in the prayer room. You see, can I just say this? Be careful that the prayers you're praying are not just putting out fires all the time. Alright, don't just pray when you're in trouble. Because you're going to get in more trouble. Okay? You know the term is stitching time? Okay. Do you know what that means? If you take care of something little, while it's still little, you won't have to worry about it when it's really big. It won't get big. Amen? You know, a little stitch. It starts out and you go, oh look, you know, and you know, we look at it. And then a couple of weeks later, the whole sleeve falls off. 
Didn't have to. <laughs> okay? We just need to stitch that up. We just needed to fix that little problem. And that wouldn't happen. But you know, most of the time what we're trying to do is we just look at stuff and go, Oh, well, that's not looking good. Oh, go ahead. Call things that are as though they are, you know. It says that we should be calling things that be not as though they were. We need to be calling the end result, not looking and commenting on what's going on. That won't change anything. Alright, how do we go from defensive to offensive? You know, when you're healed, don't wait till you get sick before you start claiming healing scriptures, for example. You know, when you're healed, hallelujah, that's the best time to believe and receive divine health. Amen. You just say, thank you God that I live in divine health. That sickness and disease can't even get close to me in the name of Jesus. If they ever do, this is the place they come to die, not to grow. Amen. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you all with me? You keep doing that and the devil will have all kinds of problems and sickness will have all kinds of problems getting on your body. Because every time it does, it drops dead. I don't know where the sickness talks to itself. Don't go there, man. Because everybody, my cousin, he went there and he died. <laughs> you know, poor Jose, you know, <laughs> okay, oh, I'm just kidding, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm trying to say, whatever, okay, all right, or Selvaraja, whatever, you know, one of, our, one of our little guys, you know, just one of them Sri Lankan bugs, you know, anyway, <laughs> they need to know that your body is not a place to be. Don't you all do the other thing and go, oh, well, here come the Hong Kong flu or whatever, you know, foreign flu that comes. I'm going to get it. Every time it comes, I get it. Well, dear Lord, seriously? Why? What do you have a little sign on you going, all bugs welcome here. We have many vacancies. And then you come up for healing. Why? You invited them in. That's not nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. But do you, you know where I'm coming from. We need to go on the offensive. We need to understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. This is the thing that the devil counts on the most. That you can't see it. And he gets you focusing on what you can see. And what physically affects you. Not where it's coming from. Amen. All right. So. Again, he says here, we are to withstand the devil's insidious wiles and to stand firm. A posture that will involve both defensive and offensive positions. Christ is already seated in heavenly places, far above every rule and authority. God has placed all things under his feet. That is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And we have been raised and made to sit with him. We have been raised and made to sit with him. All right? That's in Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. But Christians need to appropriate what has been won for them. And in the present context, this means putting on the armor of God and standing firm in the midst of battle. Amen. Now remember I told you, once you put it on, please do not take it off. Amen. It's not something you put on and take off. You just don't do that. You put it on for life. Sometimes for dear life. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can we move on? Verse 12. So the Apostle Paul now goes to explain in more detail why believers need God's mighty armor if they're going to stand firm. With Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 saying, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now in other words, as Peter T. O'Brien puts it, the supernatural, powerful and cunning nature of the opposition makes the use of God's armor absolutely necessary. 
Don't even try to take any of this on by yourself. The world has tried, and I tell you what, the way it comes back, it's like a flood. All sorts of things go wrong. Remember, what can you do about that? What can you do about your battery going flat? Your tire going flat? Your fridge just ceasing up? And suddenly all your money is starting to get spent. Suddenly all the things that you have need of, is just all, it's just going out the door. There is the attack. And then you know what people say? Oh, wish I didn't get into this. You can't go against the enemy without God's word. And a knowledge of God's word. Do you understand? And without being convinced about the things that God has promised. Those are your weapons. The weapon that they talk about is the Word of God. So if you don't have the Word of God, then you have no weapons. You're going in there without any weapons. What are you doing? People go, oh, it's just too hard to do this and that. Listen, you don't need to remember Scripture references, just know it's in there. And don't let the devil say, well, you don't know where it is, so it won't work. Shut up. Get me behind me, Satan. Where's that? Shut up and get back there. Okay. <laughs> Amen. You know, you just need to learn. It is the faith that is released when you speak the word of God that has an effect on the enemy, not the scripture reference. Amen. Some people have so much knowledge and no faith. They can quote you all the scriptures, but there's no faith. And yet, there's, you know, there might be another person who doesn't know where any scripture is to save their life. But they're beating up the devil left, right and center. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. That is other people. But against spiritual forces of evil headed up and directed by Satan himself. Now, let me just read something from uh, John MacArthur. He says this, One of Satan's most effective strategies, and therefore one of a believer's greatest dangers, is the delusion that no seriously threatening conflict between good and evil is really raging in the invisible supernatural realm. After all, it is argued that there appear to be many good things in the world today. Numerous ancient evils, such as slavery and race hatred, have disappeared or improved dramatically. People have never been so concerned about getting along together, understanding one another, and working with another to improve the individual's lives and society as a whole. Let me just stop there for a minute. You know what? Satan can take anything and push it the other way. Now we're going so far with that, that we're letting all sorts of bad things come in, in the name of being correct. Politically, religiously, and God knows what all else. And you know what's really interesting? In that correctness, they are allowing things to come in and denying other things its existence. Where's the balance in that? I'm getting on my soapbox for a minute. People say, well, we should be able to celebrate our religious whatever. Uh, not Christians, okay? Oh, but then when Christmas comes, oh no, your carols offend us. Well, excuse me, wait, 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 wait. So on one hand... You're saying, we need to allow you to do whatever you want to do, but we better not do what we want to do. Because it offends you. You can't do that. And the stupidity of some of the government officials that let stuff like that in. We, you know, we have to be careful that we are not bending and that we're not allowing the wiles of the devil to come in a different way now. Are you here? Alright? To where we permit things that are necessarily not right, 
and then allow him to deny things that are right to be done. That is also a losing battle. In the name of correctness. Can somebody say amen to this? Are you all with me? Now don't get upset over everybody and then beat everybody up. Okay, I'm just saying to you, be aware of the wiles of the devil. Be aware of the way that he manipulates things. And even when things are looking like, well, we don't believe in that stuff anymore. and We're becoming so correct now that we are just tolerating everything. Just look at Halloween. Do I need to say anything more? You know, it's gone from one extreme to the other. In the old days, even if you look like you were a witch or something, they'd burn you. Today, they want to give you candy. What happened? I mean, the burning wasn't right, okay? I'm just saying that's not a good thing to do. All right? But uh, the candy ain't right either, man. What is going on? The wiles of the devil. Are you getting this? Subtlety and deception. It's constantly at work. So we need to be careful. MacArthur continues here. Let me just go on here and bring this to a conclusion if I can. (laughs) He says, not only that, but evangelism is riding a crest of popularity, growth, and influence unknown over a century. But that sort of thing not only is naive, but inevitably leads to lethargy, indifference, and spiritual stagnation. The war between God and Satan has not diminished, but intensified. And so has its front on this earth. See, this battle isn't taking place on Mars. I wonder what would happen. We all went and lived out there. Somebody will take a devil with him, I'm sure. But anyway, <laughs> right now, okay, if only Christians go up there. <laughs> no, I don't know. All right, but I'm just saying, the battle seems to be localized to this planet. Because hell is localized to this planet. Have you noticed? Interesting, isn't it, that we're not making so much progress getting out there. In all the progress that we're making... The enemy does not want us to leave his territory. Satan is very real. Notice from Ephesians 6.12 that the Apostle Paul not only believed in the existence of a devil, but an entire hierarchy of fallen angels as well. And he wasn't the only one. The other apostles believed in the existence of the devil as well. For example, we know that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and Luke chapter 4, verse 2, the devil is spoken of as a real individual. We'll read the account in Luke chapter 4. It says there in verses 1 and 2, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Not his imagination. See, this is something else we need to be careful. People say, oh, the devil is what we make him to be, and it's a creation of our imagination, and he doesn't exist. And even some authorities, religious authorities, saying, oh, the devil doesn't exist and hell doesn't exist. Excuse me, the writers of the gospel very clearly identify him as an individual, not some problem with your conscience. And this is one of the things that, you know, I have noticed that even ministers, when they're preaching, and I I was amongst them, there was a point in time when, you know, I I would say, oh, your adversary, or, you know, uh, the enemy, and people don't know who you're talking about. And, you know, we slowly skirt around saying, the devil. Because people think, oh, no, there's no devil. Don't say the devil. Can I just say this? If you are going to go into combat with this, you need to know it exists. You need to know that it can hear you. Then that's the reason why the Word of God will work. Because it's got ears. Amen? And you can damage it with the Word of God. Which is why the Apostle Paul talks about the Word as the sword of the Spirit. 
Which is why we need to know and we need to have some swords handy. Amen? So obviously both Matthew and Luke acknowledged his existence. Added to this, the Apostle John also knew of his existence and recorded Jesus as saying in John 8.44. Now the Apostle John wouldn't write this if he didn't believe it. Amen? So in writing it, he acknowledged what Jesus said was true. And made note of it, and he recorded Jesus as saying, remember to the religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil. Okay, this is a real being. And he says, in the desires of your father you want to do. He, not it, but he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. There's a lot of he's and he's in there. This is an individual, amen? Further to this, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, not your imagination, not your guilty conscience, <laughs> okay? Not something your parents made up to scare you in Sunday school so you do the right thing. He says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice again a he there. Final reference, Jude, verse 9. You might say, what chapter? There's only one chapter. Okay, just look to verse 9. All right, Jude and verse 9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, oh, now we're talking about something else that is unseen. There is an archangel called Michael. He's on our side. Hallelujah. Contending with the devil. Not somebody's imagination. This is a real being. There is Michael the archangel encountering a real being, contending with the devil, when he, the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. This is an archangel. He could have whipped him up and down. I'm sure he wanted to. Remember, they were all in the same league at one time. And like I said, it didn't just suddenly happen. I'm sure Michael was one of those that said to Lucifer, was his name before he fell, would have said to Lucifer, don't do this, this is a dumb move. We're friends now, but you understand, they were all friends. You know, God created them, they were all getting along with each other. He would have said, you cross that line and I'm going to be on the other side. And then I'm going to have to oppose you at every turn. And we know that in the case of Daniel. Remember, an angel was coming, the first moment that Daniel prayed, an angel was dispatched. And he had to go and get Michael to help him get through. Not somebody's imagination, but real beings. Amen? We, as the body of Christ, as the sons and daughters of the Most High God, need to acknowledge His existence so that we can engage Him instead of ignore Him and do what it says, wrestle and take Him down. Amen? Alright, I'm going to have to leave it there because we have run out of time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.